listening to Paul Harding on Torbay Hospital Radio. Yes, good afternoon, Paul here in uh, Torbay Hospital Radio Studio One. Uh, today I'm joined with uh, by Nick Kennefick. Now, Nick, 40-something, I believe, uh, lives with his wife and children in Devon, has done so for about 20-odd years. Um, a surgeon in emergency and general surgery. He's not shaking his head yet, that's good. Uh, Nick is the consultant for general surgery at uh, Torbay Hospital and Mount Stewart. Nodding his head is good, that's all good. Uh, qualified with a first class degree um, at Cambridge University and the Cambridge Clinical Medical School in 1995. Did his training in London and the Southwest. Uh, received a professorship in 2004 for research. Uh, the Nobel Prize uh, from Cambridge University for his thesis in pelvic floor dysfunction. We'll talk in depth about that next, shall we? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and his secret passion when he's not saving lives is creative writing and his first novel The Scent is available from all the usual places and we'll talk about that in a bit as well uh, thanks for coming Nick how are you? Oh, pleasure fine thank you yeah, yeah very good that's, that's good <laughs> that's good um, now it's not often that we get a chance to talk to a consultant here in the studio we've, we've had few in but um, it's been difficult over the last uh, 18 months or so two years probably um, when did you first realise you had an interest in medicine? Oh, as a child, I think. I don't quite know exactly why. I thought I was, always wanted to be a doctor, though. That was just nothing specific and uh, just sort of fell into it. And once you start at medical school, you're, you're on a path and, and off you go. Yeah. Um, it's a long path, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been a long but really fun path, actually. The, the training is lifelong training. It never stops. Uh, but, yeah, it's been incredibly rewarding. Excellent. Okay. And how come you based yourself in Torbay? How did that come about? Oh, southwestern Devon I always loved. Uh, when I was a child, we holidayed down here in a little village called Hope Cove near Solcombe. Yeah. And then uh, I spent most of my training moving slowly closer back down to the southwest. I moved from London to Bristol to Exeter and then eventually uh, came, came down here. And it's been a, the best move ever. It's what a place to live. Yes, fabulous. Uh, we, it is the hottest day of the year um, here in the studio, so if there's a bit of noise in the background, it's just some fans that we've got going to cool us down. Doing our best. Uh, difficult period uh, for you medical guys with the pandemic. Um, have you been able to deal with that challenge and keep providing a, a service? Yeah, it's been hugely difficult for everybody, actually, in all different specialities. Uh, I'm a surgeon, so the surgery service we've managed to maintain our emergency services as best we can and we've maintained our cancer services um, we've done those pretty well actually the downside is that there are a lot of really uh, unlucky individuals who've got problems but they don't fit into those two um, criteria who unfortunately have had to wait a really really long time and we feel desperately sorry for them mm. um, but the hospital hasn't able to give us uh, the ability to treat these people uh, so we'll, we get them done as soon as we can but uh, the hospital is limiting us in surgery with what we can actually do yeah. I mean I was going to ask about waiting list because I think the listener may you know that might be of something of interest to them but it, it's a big issue why here in the news yeah, yeah, yeah and and it's one of those issues that people have tried very hard not to create but but when your capacity is decreased um, you have to make those hard decisions and so people with cancers have been treated and emergencies have been treated and anyone else we can squeeze in we've got in but the waiting list has really unfortunately grown and will probably continue to do so i think yeah i mean in my experience um medical people in the hospital work long hours anyway yes uh, <laughs> and I, I i guess now there's a it must be very difficult because looking forward you might have to work even longer hours or 
Well, is that possible? Yeah, well, the hours aren't really an issue for me because, as I said, you're used to working 24 7 um, when it's your, your periods to be on call. So it's more that in order to man operating theatres, you need you know a whole host of people from um, nurses to theatre practitioners to porters to anesthetists, and uh, you know, it's hundreds of people required to run one operating theatre. So it's just it's not so much the time that people are willing to work, it's just the number of people available. Yes. And what does the future hold for general surgery then in, in the wider sense, here and in Torbay? Oh, general surgery will always be there because uh, people always need it. Um, we split half our time with emergencies and there will always be emergency problems that we need to resolve. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, cancers keep coming, uh, so we will always need to deal with those. So yeah, there'll always be a, a, a future for general surgery. Okay, and is there anything we should look at? Any innovations? There? Oh, there's always lots of innovations coming <laughs> and new research. Maybe one day uh, I will be unemployed because somebody clever will find a really good way to treat cancers without operating on them. Yes. A clever tablet or chemotherapy or radiotherapy, and that'd be marvellous. Yes. Um, but, okay. uh, not think, at the moment. I think it's fair to say that uh, I, I am one of uh, Nick's um, success stories, I think. We, we've, uh, he's done some work on me, and I'm still here, so I'm very grateful for that. And as I say, even when I was, was in, it was a small procedure, but there was, I don't know how many people, there were lots of people, lots of people, so uh, that's great. What we're going to do is we're going to play a little bit of music, and then we're going to talk to Nick um, about his secret passion. Okay, it's Paul here at uh, Torbay Hospital Radio. I'm talking to Nick Kenefick. And uh, let's talk about writing, Nick. Uh, the scent. Yes. Yeah, the scent, yes. Um, now, I've pinched this from the uh, blurb on the book. Uh, orphaned and stolen from his father's African mission, he is forced into a life of brutality and violence. He survives and excelled. Uh, a decade later, a better life. Reflex skills learnt as a man child through necessity, refined by special forces, yet unexplained events unfold and unwillingly is thrust right back into a dark world of deceit and conflict. Desperately pursued across London by a powerful and ruthless corporation without limits. It's all going on. Now, um, this is your first novel. It's very hard hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at the start, you got a fabulous central character. Will James is amazing. Thank um, you. Now, I imagine you you've been doing some writing for a while, perhaps in the past, and then got to this. Yeah, all my writing in the past has been um, academic writing through surgery. Uh, I wrote my thesis, which is a book of sorts. Um, you know, various papers that you do about surgical things. And this is my first uh, fiction novel. And it's been brilliant. I've absolutely loved doing it. It's given me so much fun and joy and escaping from the busy realities of a normal life, work and family. It's been really, really, really good fun. I've really enjoyed it. And how did you find the time to, to do it? Oh, a few hours squeezed here and there. I used to write in the evenings, particularly when the children were younger and they'd go to bed. Um, I'd write for a few hours in the evening and that sort of thing. It took about two or three years to write it. Um, another year or so to get it published. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, it was a way of escaping and relaxing for me. It, it's been very useful and good for that. Yes, I mean those two or, th two or three years. Yeah, some of it will be going back and reading what you've written and saying, well, that doesn't make sense, or I've got to change that. So well, it originally started on a holiday. Uh, I can't remember somewhere hot. It was too hot for me, and the kids would be playing around the pool, so I'd sit and just I wrote it freehand to start with. Uh, and then I rewrote it again, uh, like you say, changing bits, uh, improving it. 
but yeah, it, it really has. Uh, it's not been a chore. It's been fun. <laughs> Excellent. So how did you approach the publishing of the book? Did you find a literary agent? Yeah, this uh, again is a completely new world for, for me. I was used to getting things published in academic journals. Uh, it's, it's a difficult world, uh, sort of fiction publishing, so I had to approach a lot of literary agents and I got a lot of very polite rejections. Yeah. Uh, I think I probably about 20 or 30 people, if not more, more like 50, knocked me back and eventually someone agreed to take me on and, and got it published. And uh, they have a lot of skills, they proofread it, they change it, they correct all the, the grammar and the spellings, they put it in the right format, they design the, the, the cover. Uh, so I'm very grateful for them for doing that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your main character, so that Will. Now, he's someone, if, if I saw him in the street, I think I would think, wow, because he's um, mixed race. He's That's tall. Right. He's tall, very tall. He is. Um, piercing eyes. Um, now, how did you come up with such a sort of strong leading character? Um, is there someone you knew? No, this no. Is, there are a few characters in the book of friends of mine who I put them in with their permission. Yes. Um, but no, this is... Uh, someone who, who uh, was just I created in my mind as a fictional character he is the product of all the sort of best physical traits of uh, a very tall uh, European individual and then uh, an African um, uh, lady with all this amazing stamina and strength of the two races combined and he's been lucky enough to inherit both of the best bits um, so yeah most of it was fiction in my head very good Paul Harding here down at uh, Studio One in Torbay Hospital Radio. I'm talking to Nick Kennefick about his book, The Scent. And uh, we talked about his main character. Now, I like the way that you wove your medical knowledge and your obvious love of Devon into the book. Uh, was that a conscious decision, Nick, to, to do that? I mean, the, you couldn't leave out the medical stuff, could no, you? No, I couldn't. I mean, definitely. Uh, so there is a degree of sort of action and, and violence in this, and I, I wanted to make it, make it anatomically correct and make sure you know, he was doing it right. But, uh, yeah, part and parcel of it was bringing part of myself into it and part oh, of yes. me is being a surgeon and I've spent a long time, 20 or 30 years, dealing with emergencies and when I worked in London we had a lot of trauma and stabbings to deal with. So yeah, uh, I have in, brought in a bit of medical aspect and maybe people might even enjoy reading bits about that as well. Well, they might do. Mm. Uh, some of it, if not if you're too squeamish, I think. Yeah, it's yes, probably not uh, for light yes, but No, but it, it's great. And. Um, there is, there's one particular scene when, when somebody gets stabbed, it's a burglary, well it's not a burglary, but, um, and he's stabbed three times. Yes. And, and, and he could have died three different ways. Yes, well a lot of the, sort of the research that did it and the um, trauma we see sometimes, sometimes it can look very bad but isn't, and other times it can look quite innocent on the outside but can be very serious on the yeah. inside. So does that bring some of that knowledge into it? Yeah, so medical students should perhaps read this book. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, now, is, is there a military background somewhere within the Kennefick family? Some of the description and information is detailed, almost as a first-hand experience. No, there isn't at all, actually. Uh, but you can discover a lot online if you, um, yes. if yeah. you look. And I've read a lot of books of this kind of genre and this kind of uh, adventure action thing. So, uh, so I wove some of that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of things you can you can look up and just a little bit of research you can work a lot out yourself. And then part of it is my imagination of if I was designing a system, how would I do it to make it, you know, the language universal? If people have to be brought in when they're not used to a unit that everyone understands and works out how to do things. So part of that is how the communication skills that we use in the operating theatre. So different people can come in. Um, 
So yeah, part of it is research and part of it's imagination of how things might be. A lot of imagination out there, listener. A lot of... Now, is it, is it a follow-up? Nick, have you got time to write a follow-up? Actually, it's in my mind, it's part of a trilogy. Ah. Um, I've started the second book, but again, I haven't got through it, I haven't finished it yet, just because of time and everything else. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to get the time to write it all. But yeah, no, I, uh, I've started it, um, and I'm enjoying the second book, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. I've not got any other questions for you, Nick. So um, thank you very much for coming and joining us today. Oh, cool, um, it's a pleasure. It's really nice to get um, some, somebody from the hospital uh, in because a lot of people don't realise we're even down here. So uh, thank you very much for coming down. Uh, good luck with the book and the follow-up. Thank you. And with all your work with uh, the patients. Well, you know, it gives me a huge thrill when someone says they've read it and uh, it brought me a lot of joy and hopefully it bring some joy to someone else. It'd be great. Of course it will. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks, Paul. Uh, this is Paul signing out, and I'll be back soon. This will be available on the podcast soon. See you.